When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Darnell. Hey, what's going on, man? Nothing much. How you been doing? I've been great, man. What's been up? What's new? Uh, nothing much. Just having a busy work week and everything. It's just good to sit back and relax and watch a scary movie. You know how that is. Yeah, same here, man. I'm just cooling. I actually just picked my kids up. Uh, and I work tomorrow, but I'm still getting ready for the weekend. I think I'm going, I'm going to do a zoo day with the kids on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And just trying to relax, man. Oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be fun, man. I'm glad that you're able to spend some time with your kids. That's always a plus. Yeah, I got uh, three boys, twin five-year-olds, and then a 15, or about to be 15-year-old. So they keep me pretty busy, man. I can imagine, man. Even my girlfriend's kids keep me busy as well. <laughs> she has a 7-year-old, <laughs> an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 15-year-old. So, Not only that, but not only are they keeping you busy, but they're probably pretty expensive. They can be at times, but they're worth it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I just got my son um, a pair of Air Max uh, Nikes, $170, man. Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, enough of that. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to go introduce the show real quick, and then we'll go on ahead and do this review. All right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I actually have... Darnell back with me again from Advanced Genetics, and I just want to say welcome back to the show. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. You're, you're very welcome. I enjoyed our last review that we did for Nightmare on Elm Street, so what better way to actually do this than follow it up with Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2? Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, what can I say about it before we really get started? It's, it's, it's the wacky sequel to the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sure we'll get into some of the craziness of Jesse, uh, the infamous Jesse and uh, his shenanigans. Most definitely. And, you know, I remember as a kid, this used to be my favorite one as a kid. For some odd reason, this was my favorite one. Well, I'll tell you one thing for sure. Freddy definitely was very scary in it. Um, It's very comparable to one when when you see how scary Freddy was. But um, I think some of the <clears throat> continuity changed, and a lot of uh, you know a lot of people don't even really count this one as far as like the whole uh, I guess mythology of a Nightmare on Elm Street. A lot of people look at this one; it's almost like a uh, almost Anthology. like an Elseworld story or something. It's it's a very unique take on a Nightmare on Elm Street. But Freddy is definitely menacing. He most definitely is for me. Part five is the one that I ignore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know. That's to me, there's aspects I like to it, but it's not as good as the other movies that I enjoy. But as I got older, I actually enjoyed Dream Warriors and then the follow up to that one. I really like those two. Those two go hand in hand with each other. Um, it's looked at like you have part one and then part three, which is Dream Warriors. It's a follow up to part one because you, you kind of get the Nancy story, you get the ending to the Nancy story. And then it branches off into Kristen, I believe. And then yeah, Kristen's Kristen. story branches off into the 
part four, which is the Alice story. So they all right. kind of go together. Like I said, this this is like the redhead stepchild of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, genre, I guess, of the of the franchise because there's really no you don't see Jesse again, you don't see any of the other other characters again. So this is like the the one off. Right. This is kind of like your anthology, if you will, like your Halloween three. Exactly. So this movie actually had a budget of three million. It made thirty million. Are so, you actually surprised by that? Yeah, so very successful. Say what you want. And I and I know uh they they pumped this out pretty quick after the first one was so successful. But uh Bob Shea, salute to him. He had a vision past uh what what Wes Craven wanted to do was maybe put maybe one movie out, but uh, Bob Shea wanted to keep the series going, and he made a lot of money from it. Exactly. But you know what's funny, though? It's actually considered a cult classic, and I find that unusual since it actually made money. Usually cult classics are ones that uh, don't really make a lot of money but actually get a lot of hype later on. So it's unusual to actually have this as a cult classic. Yeah, I think what it was was that um, I know critically uh, it wasn't too favorable, especially back then, and um, and I'm sure we're going to get into it. But there's a lot of um, right. there's a lot of uh, uh, speculation upon like the subtext of some of the movie, and I, I think it ended up becoming like like a cult classic because of it. Right. Um, so what I liked about this film, it actually has him five years later after the stuff that happens with Nancy. And you have the Wallaces who have moved into Nancy Thompson's former home. But I love the opening scene with the school bus and you actually see Robert England without his makeup. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, very cool. So I definitely love the setup and everything. And... I also love, and it also gives you a little bit of a background if you actually think about it. It actually shows the reality of the fact that this guy used to be uh, taking care of kids. It actually gave you a little bit of that nod from the first one. So I like that. And then also, too, I like the transformation of Robert England turning into Freddy, especially on that uh, desert um, school ride and everything. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot as well. And again, going back to what I said earlier, uh, you can say what you want about this film, but Freddy was so freaking scary in this. There was no comedy with Freddy in this one. You know, no one-liners. He he was uh, very menacing. Right. He knew what he was wanting. He knew how to stalk them. He knew what he was going for. Because I think Nancy pissed him off enough to where it's like, you know what? I'm done playing this role of being comical. So I'm going to go on ahead and tear shit up. That's what I got out of it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, like I said, the Thompsons move in to Nancy's old house. And, you know, I really have to say, you actually get the tone of what this film is actually going for, especially in the first five, ten minutes. You have the strict dad who's actually... Just an old grumpy dude that doesn't really like a lot of things. He's kind of like the guy that says, get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. While the, mean old man. While, yeah. While the mother is over there just, you know, shot, uh, just, you know, a little bit of a charismatic character than what we got from Nancy's mother. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. 
So I and so the roles are kind of reversed in this, in a sense. But I really do like how, what they did with that. And then, of course, he winds up uh, falling for Lisa, who's actually one of his friends. Who and she doesn't have a license or anything like that. She uses Jesse as a way to get to transportation from school. And I do feel like the chemistry between them actually worked in this film. Yeah. So. Uh... Yeah, you meet Jesse, and then uh, he has a nightmare, right? Like you said, he has right. an old school bus nightmare, and he and he has this blood curdling scream that that kind of lets you know that like he is freaking terrified. Whatever's going on, he is terrified. And also, in the meanwhile, he's um, he's in the midst in the midst of this courtship with uh, Lisa. Right. And I also, what I liked about that, though, was the whole screen thing is the fact that he can actually, you know, he's he's probably like on the list of like the screen kings. You know, we have the screen queens and the screen kings. Yeah. Well, some people, whatever, you know, he, he <clears throat> a little bit about the guy. He He's an openly gay man. Um, right. The actor that played him. So he kind of like likes to be called a screen queen. Um, well, actually, right. on Facebook, I'm in a, 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 a group. For a nightmare on Elm Street, and he pops in there sometimes. And um, oh, cool! He kind of—I think at first he didn't like the uh, the moniker, but I think he kind of took it and ran with it. You know, he does a lot of appearances and autographs and stuff, so I think he's cool with that's that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool that he's actually kind of accepted it now, mm-hmm. and he's at at his peace. Because I remember for a while he was like really angry at the fact that people would actually call him that. You know. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you one thing. During that time, I'll tell you one thing. His screams were better than it, and, and I'm not talking mm-hmm. about just a Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm talking about any slasher film. His screams were some of the most blood curdling screams you're going to hear, man. Most definitely. And so another thing, though, too, is you also have uh, Grady and him. Uh, they actually get into a fight. During gym class, Coach Schneider, you actually get a little bit of feel of what Schneider's about later on. Yeah. We're going to catch some stuff on that. But yeah, this is actually, I didn't even know at the time when I was like maybe eight or 10 years old, this is actually a very explicit type movie compared to the first one. Not saying that the first one's not explicit, but this is actually dealing with opening up and embracing your sexuality. Yeah, and, and um, I, I guess the writer, the writer uh, for it was actually openly gay as well, and um, a lot of people laugh and say this is the gayest horror movie ever made, <laughs> and there's a lot of like little, like if you pay attention, like little nods, like Details. oh maybe Jesse's not what we think, but um, but uh, I think salute to the to the people in it because uh, I'm all for a good subtext and like sometimes dwelling into the script a little more and really paying attention. So I thought it was I thought it was well done. Same here. And you know his friend that plays Grady, right? Yeah. He actually played now get this. I actually watched a movie called uh Blood Feast recently. And matter of fact his friend is that the guy who plays his friend is actually in that movie. Okay, okay. So I was actually, I thought that part was actually pretty cool that he's actually still uh, acting after all this time. So that's actually pretty cool to actually see that. You know, it's called Blood Feast? Blood Feast. I, you can actually watch that on Prime. Oh, uh, yes. I'll be checking that out after we finish this podcast. 
Let me know what you think about it. I definitely <laughs> it's will. definitely different. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so basically Schneider makes them go on a his day after class, and that's how they become friends. So I actually like how that's actually relatable because you you moved into a new town, you don't know anybody, and then of course the first person that he winds up uh, winding up being friends with, he thinks is a total douchebag, but then they wind up becoming friends. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and, yeah. and what's funny, what's funny with that too is uh, we spoke about a little bit about like the whole uh, the whole coming out subtext. So then, like as an adult watching it now, you're like, well, was he into Grady or was he into Lisa? You know, so their bond becomes pretty, you know, prevalent quick. So, and uh, I, I thought it was an interesting uh, friendship with him and Grady. Most definitely, because it's like he's trying to, he's struggling with the sexuality. Yeah. In a sense, if they would put it into that context. Right. You know? So I thought that was actually pretty neat that they actually got a gay actor to actually play this role. And maybe this also gave him the courage to actually come out, though, too. Yeah. So... I, I want to say it did, but I'm not sure. I think this might have been like the catalyst for him kind of coming out as well. Okay. But, uh, like I said, then Nancy winds up reading the diary from, uh, yeah, she winds up just uh, oh, basically Lisa, Lisa comes Lisa, over. Uh, yeah, yeah. Reads Nancy's diary, yeah, yeah. Right, but let's just go, first off, let's go back a little bit where, you know, his dad tells him, well, you're not going out unless you actually unpack your stuff. <laughs> and the, even the dance he does in this thing like I remember watching this thing and just cracking up laughing but then going through the context and the subtext of it and everything you can definitely tell that there is some tendencies there you know it, well I mean yeah I mean for for those who haven't seen the scene I mean you could look it up on YouTube it's, it's a classic scene um He's dancing to all night long, and he's like, he has these very uh, interesting glasses on, and he's twerking. I call Elton John glasses. Yeah, he's twerking and he's shaking his stuff on the bed, and <laughs> and um, it's just interesting. Jesse's a very interesting kid, <laughs> right? But it kind of also reminds you, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pack up my unpack my stuff, Dad. I'm gonna do that, but at the same time, you're goofing off. You're doing your thing, and all of a sudden, the girl next door, which would be Lisa, comes over and sees what he's doing, and then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy, was he embarrassed. (laughs) Yes. And I I like that whole entire thing, too, because now there's like a little inside joke with him and Lisa, probably, and things like that, so I actually love that. Then, of course, Lisa's over there helping him unpack, and then she winds up finding Nancy's diary inside the closet on the top shelf. She pulls it down, and, of course, she goes through the diary of describing what happened to Johnny Depp's character. Yeah, and for those that don't remember that, Freddie basically killed him. Uh, It was one of the most bloody scenes uh, in the slasher film where uh, he ripped him through the bed and and blood just... uh, Spurred it out everywhere. It was so bad it was leaking uh, from the ceiling to the second, I mean, to the first floor of the house. So uh, it was pretty sick. Most definitely. Did you like the nod to the first one? Did you feel like they needed to acknowledge the first one or have that little bit of a connection of the background to let the 
new person that's moved into that house know what happened? Well, I definitely thought it was needed. Um, one thing that's important is you want to somehow, like you said, connect the readers to, I mean, excuse me, connect mm-hmm. the viewers to it. And um, if you didn't see A Nightmare on Elm Street 1 for whatever reason, and you started off with two, and you're like, well, what the hell is going on? It, I mean, it was a good way to catch you up without it being uh, uh, pretty, like, uh, uh, corny, Black for lack of a better word, where they're, where, they're, where they're just saying what happened. So I like the diary effect. I do, too. It definitely explains everything. It breaks everything down and stuff like that. It also explains how the father also got the house so cheap. Right. Well, you know how in the movie sometimes we're like, they give you exposition and it's like, they're they're saying it, but it's not how people talk, right? So that's like me and you talking and they're like, John, we've been friends for four years. John, remember last, and that's not how really people talk. So so I thought it broke it down in a way where like, okay, we know what happened and it wasn't talked about, but they read it. So now you got what happened. So exactly. So I thought that was pretty dope. Same here. Same here as well. I love that little nod. And then, you know, another thing that winds up happening too, after that, he winds up having another nightmare where Freddie is basically down in the basement with the boiler and throwing stuff in it. He peeks in the window, he wakes up, and it's boiling hot. Mm. And that's also when, uh, of course, small uh, a small fire happens around the house with uh, a bunch of things that happens, and then the pet birds is what got the worst of it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, now... <laughs> Now, to me, this was funny. I know it was meant to be scary, right. but so I guess the birds are covered in a cage. Uh, they're in a, they're sleeping in a cage and, and it's covered, and you 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 see the cage rattling, and the one bird killed the other bird, so the bird jumps out of the cage and is flying around and um and they're trying to kill the bird, and then the bird just like spontaneously combusts uh, into a flame, and it's like, what happened? Now, I'm not sure what that has to do with Freddy, and that's where I've been, like, like, Freddy's powers never were really explained. Like, like the rules were changed a little bit because I don't ever remember Freddy making birds explode. Any, any, any of the other movies, but it was what it was. Right. Unless he had something to do with the temperature of the house. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't That's get what I was that. thinking, though, too. Yeah, I didn't get that. Um, um, one of the things all right we're here (laughs) all right all right so as i was saying i believe that it might have been freddie that was actually doing the temperature of the house because remember we actually saw him heating up the uh boiler so maybe that had something to do with it oh and and that's pretty cool it's just that um that wasn't the freddie i was used to i was more just used to freddie being in your dreams but freddie clearly well also, at the same time, at the same time, this was more like a, a body snatcher, I guess, type of movie. So it could have been Jesse doing it, but you know, Freddie as Jesse because that line was really blurred as as the was Freddie doing it or was Jesse doing it. So that could be a point as well. Right, that could be a big issue. Yeah. So. 
the following night, he has another nightmare where he encounters Freddy. And at that point, he wants him to kill his sister. Yeah, that was crazy. It was. Like, all of a sudden, Jesse has the glove on. And he's blinded to it. It's like he's sleepwalking. And he doesn't understand how he got the glove, but he knows the glove is on him. And then all of a sudden, he's over there. Uh, in his sister's room, and you can tell there's a little bit of fight between him and Freddy at that moment, where you know, with the glo- between him and Jesse, because Jesse doesn't want to kill his sister, and Freddy does. Yeah, and um, it was very chilling. Um, I actually watching it today, uh, I still get a little uh, creeped out because he's telling her to go back to sleep, and you see the the glove. It was uh, the the shot of it, you know, the look of it. Was was great, and it holds up well today. Of him like touching the blanket with her, you know, you know, it's your sister. You love her, you know. You she's supposed to trust you, and here you are, you know, with the Freddy glove on and ready to kill her. So, but that was well done. I thought it was well done done to myself, and then also too, the perfect nod to Freddy was her finding those long fingernails inside the cereal box. Oh yeah, that was in the beginning. That, that was like a oh. precursor to what Jesse was in store for. Right. Uh, the the Fu Man fingers. I don't know if that's politically correct to say, but <laughs> the, she found the Fu Man fingers, and um, yeah, they definitely look like some Freddy knives. Right. <laughs> um. So, anyways, he like I said, he winds up eventually. There was also another time too that he actually had a ni- another nightmare though. And that was also when he was wandering the uh, wandering during the night, and wandering the street of Elm Street. Yeah, that's right. That's where he actually went to the bar, correct? And um, right. And he ran into the coach. I'll let you go ahead. Okay. Yeah, he goes into a gay bar and yeah. he finds Schneider. And I don't think Jesse knows that is a gay bar or anything like that because he just wanders in. Well, so, there, there was a scene earlier where Grady kind of mentioned it to him when they were doing the push-ups. And he's like, you know, Snyder hangs in the gay bar downtown. So, again, I don't know if it's the whole point of Jesse kind of struggling with his identity or if it's, um, or like you said, if he just happened to walk in because Jesse was out of it. Right. Unless Freddie just winded up making him wander over into the gay bar without Jesse even knowing. But... Anyways, he's over there, and he and Schneider is dressed in some BDSM clothing. <laughs> <laughs> and Schneider is not even on the clock or anything at the school or anything like that, and he makes <laughs> Jesse go to the school and make him run laps for being in the gay bar. <laughs> okay, and, so so I got a lot to say about this right here, right? All right, and, and I'll let you really go into the details of, of Schneider's uh, death, but... um. It was a pretty gay death, in my opinion. Uh, looking back now at, like, you know, balls to the face and the towel slapping, um, <laughs> I think all of that was done purposely. I, don't, I You know, they say subtext, but I, it was almost in your – to me now, it was in my face, like, whoa, this is some real, like, strong um, – <laughs> some strong vibes I'm getting here from this scene. But as far as uh, – as far as Snyder, uh, he, was, he, he was a sadist. That's what it looks like. Like you said, he had some BDSM gear on. And uh, it made sense to his character because he liked the, 
he liked to punish the kids. So it kind of made sense. Right, because we see the basketballs, the footballs bounce out of the thing, the tennis balls come out of the uh, plastic tubing. No Man, Snyder caught so many balls to the face. I, I, I didn't know what I was watching at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit, it looked like you were watching a porn, like a very <laughs> bad haunted porn, probably. <laughs> but, you know, but another thing, though, too, is the jump ropes. Freddie yeah. actually goes on ahead, takes the jump ropes, pulls him into the shower where Jesse's actually showering at, uh-huh. and then ties him to the showers, and then takes the back of the BDSM outfit and just unloads on him with the towels that you mentioned. <laughs> he also, uh, of course, Snyder also did that to the kids, though, too, where he was actually pretty much be- bullying them. Right, right. So, 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 yeah, so it definitely could have been a nod to that as well. Right. But I'm going by your context, though. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'll definitely actually own up to the fact that was a pretty gay death. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, he's getting balls to the face. He's getting the towels whipped on him. And then all of a sudden, Freddie just goes on ahead, takes the glove, rips open the back, of, the back of his BDSM outfit, and just hammers away on his back. And then the next thing you know, the showers turn on. All the other showers turn on, and it turns to blood. And then Snyder is dead. Yeah. And then to add to it, once uh, it kind of fades away from Freddie, uh, you see that it's Jesse holding the glove, and Jesse once again, uh, scream queen, scream king, whatever you want to call him, lets out a scream like you never heard. You know, he screams, and, and that's the end of that scene. Well done scene from from the whole him walking into the gay bar to the sadistic coach catching him. So we get a little bit of background on Snyder. We know that Snyder's a creep. Um, not saying that any people into BDSM are creeps. But Snyder's a little sadistic if he's doing that to kids at midnight, you know, so. And then he kind of gets get what's coming to him. It's this poetic justice. Balls to the face, towels on the ass, uh, <laughs> claw in your back. Right. And then that's when we actually get Jesse having a, well, the police wind up finding him uh, walking nakedly through the neighborhood and brings him back over to his parents. And his da- the first thing that his dad says, he doesn't ask him if he's okay or anything. He just asks him if he was on any drugs and who is he getting it from. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's a thin line because, you know, imagine your child's out in the rain uh, naked. You're going to think something's wrong. But, you know, Dad, you got to be there for your kid, man. You got to be there for your kid. Right. You can't actually think that you know, he was actually on drugs. Maybe he went out for a walk. Maybe something winded up happening to him while he went out on a walk or something. You can't assume. <laughs> I, you know what? I was thinking maybe he went on a walk. Maybe he had a string hanging from his clothes, right? Maybe he got caught on something. He didn't realize it, and his clothes <laughs> ripped off, and he ended up being naked. I mean, that happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the 80s. Anything could possibly happen yeah. during that time. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, so like I, like you said, Jesse gets horrified. He comes home. Um, then of course, you know, after that happens, that's when Lisa brings him over to the school boiler room and during the daytime and everything. And say, hey, look, this is where Freddie was. 
at burning these kids, killing these kids, and everything. I thought this might be a better way for you to actually deal with this situation. Her intent is good, but it's also kind of like, okay, why are you trying to do that, you know? Yeah, and um, one thing, and uh, I was going to get to it at the end of it, is um, I guess one of my critiques about this movie is time, meaning I never felt the weight of time. I didn't know if it was a week. I didn't know if it was months. I didn't know if it was Mm -hmm. days. Uh, His courtship with Lisa seemed kind of fast, but I don't know if it was throughout the school year or if it was throughout a couple weeks. Um, I felt like sometimes, and again, I'm just kind of jumping the gun. I felt sometimes you could just scramble the scenes around and um, it wouldn't really affect the movie too much because you never felt the weight of time. But um, as far as uh, that scene goes, yeah, I, I almost didn't think that part was necessary to be honest, because it, it didn't really lead to nothing, if I if I remember correctly. But it kind of did add to the lore of Freddie. <clears throat> uh, but it didn't really add too much that we didn't know already. We knew Freddie uh, hung out in the boiler room. And I don't, right. I don't think, if I recall correctly, Jesse didn't get anything from it, right? No, he didn't get anything from that vibe or anything like that. They did find this coffin-like box kind of thing over there. Yeah. And then they open it, it's just rats. <laughs> and, of course, you don't find nothing there because Freddy is not there. He's only in your dreams, supposedly, and everything. So, that's another thing. Why are you bringing him to a place... Even Well, she does not understand the mythology behind Freddy or anything like that. I get that. But, if you, if you think that your boyfriend or whoever it is, your friend has this connection with Freddy, why would you bring him to the place where he actually killed the kids? Yeah. At least you're aware for that. <laughs> because to me, I was like, okay, you're just going to amplify that spirit even more and piss it off. Yeah, at least you're aware for that. And again, it you felt know? even weirder because I didn't know how long. Because in, uh, in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, like I said, it seemed like it was a courtship. Like her parents really didn't know who Jesse was. And now, like you said, it's like they're in a relationship. So I'm not sure how much time went by, but it still felt new to me. So Lisa's very... The same hair. You know, she's fast. She's a very fast girl. <laughs> she knows what she wants. Yeah. Once she sees Jesse, that's it. Yeah, that was she, it's, it. it's game on, <laughs> you know? At first it went from, oh, no, we're just friends. He just gives me rides to, hey, how you doing? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. So... The following night, and like you said, that's one of the small little nitpicky thing. We don't know how much time has actually passed after that incident. Right. So I wish I would actually did like, okay, two weeks later. Yeah. Maybe Jesse got grounded, and two weeks later, she takes him over to this. Yeah, you don't place. feel that weight of time. It was almost like, like I said, um, uh, if you take, I don't know, if you take any scene, minus maybe the Coach Snyder stuff, and even that to an extent, and you kind of like, Scramble them around. It almost you almost could get the same movie, and um, I, right. I know New Line was um, trying to pump a movie out quick, but um, that was that's my probably biggest critique of it. Same here as well. Um, the following night, Jesse goes to Lisa's pool party and kisses her in the cabana. <laughs> the infamous kiss, but, right? But what did you think about that whole scene where? You know, the parents are about to go to bed, and then 
it kind of reminds me of that Johnny Depp kind of flavor where, you know, he spends the night over at uh, over at uh, Nancy's friend's house, and then he pulls up that mixtape, <laughs> and then here they have they have like a little mixtape for themselves where it's like this classic nineteen fifties kind of pool party style music where the father's grilling uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, and then the wife's like, "Let's just go to bed. Let the kids have their pool party." And then all of a sudden, that's when they turn on their rock music and everything. Yeah, I thought it was funny. But uh, I thought it was even funnier. Uh, they got to be careful, man. You can't be eating those hot dogs and going right in that water, man. You got to wait. You right. got to wait an hour, you know. <laughs> we don't want you to get cramps while you're swimming. but uh, Or throw, throw the food up while you're swimming. Yeah, either, there matter. you go. So, But, I mean, other than I that, I, mean, <laughs> I, I guess they were trying to say, you know, kids are going to be kids, but. Like you said, I thought it was pretty funny. But let's just be honest for a minute here. Yeah, they're not after no food anyways. So <laughs> that food, that food was gonna just uh, get cold until the next morning. Yeah, and they were probably gonna eat that for breakfast. Yeah. so let's just be honest. Yeah, uh, you know what? <laughs> but those parents could have gotten a lot of trouble. It was a lot of underage drinking at that party. They they got to tighten up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and. And Jesse's parents want to get strict on him. Yeah, right. Lisa's parents are like, <laughs> right. Lisa's parents are like, oh well. Here, here's some Jack for you. Some Crown. Here you go. Have a good time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, like like we said before, he ends up kissing her the gambana, and then Lisa realizes that Jesse's terror is giving Freddie his strength, but he cannot stop fearing him. But I also want to talk about the kiss, though, with the long tongue. Whenever he actually tries to um, undo her uh, blouse and everything, we see the tongue all of a sudden just turn into like a Gene Simmons rock star kind of tongue, where it's actually a l- ten times longer than his tongue. But what did you think of that scene? Uh, um, Again, uh, can you hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you good. Okay, again... Uh... I thought it was well done. I thought, um, uh, again, I don't know if there's any subtext that like that I'm hearing now. You know, I, you know, I'm reading this. Oh, it's supposed to show that you know maybe Jesse's not into girls, but the gag or the the, the uh, practical effect looked good. I mean, you can't ask for a better practical effect. It looked good. It creeped me out. Uh, it was way better than the the Freddie mouth gag with the phone in uh, part one. So I liked it in uh. You know, Freddie's always been a little pervert anyway, so. Right. So he always wanted some tongue action anyways. Um, <laughs> he's always doing something with that tongue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so at that point, you know, what did you think of the whole entire thing where the transformation with Freddie and Jesse with that whole entire battle between him, uh, with him and then with, uh, of course, with Lisa? inside the kitchen area, whenever he leaves and jumps out the window. What did you think about that whole entire setup? I, I thought it was good. Uh, like I said, it kind of uh, uh, went away from the, the mythos of what Freddie was about. It was more of like a body snatching type of situation. But, but it was well done for what it was. Um, you had the whole situation where she was stabbing him, but it was, you know, Jesse talking to her, and he's like, Lisa... I thought that was done well. You know, it was basically Freddie kind of preying on her sympathy. And again, Freddie was creepy. The the effects, like his face, looked so greasy and 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 
and and ter- terrifying. I I just remember that creeping me out. So I thought they did a good job with that. Um, also, the the effect of him, and I'm jumping the gun again. That just the effect of him coming out of just his body when they were in Grady's uh, room. I thought it was good. I I think it holds up. I, one thing I can say about a Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, for the most part, those effects, a lot of those practical effects really still look pretty decent uh, through 2020, uh, 2020 lens. So uh, salute to them for a lot of that stuff. Most definitely. I can definitely tell that those effects still hold up. And like you said, it looked greasy, that makeup that he actually has. It actually feels like a burnt victim, like someone that actually was burnt. So that's actually really good makeup. Yeah, he had really good makeup. Uh Again, uh, I, I look at part four, right? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street part four, I thought it was an entertaining movie, but you saw so much of Freddy's face. It was, like, very well lit. Like, there was no shadows to his face, and it was like, okay, that's not that scary. Comparing his face in part four versus his face in part two, oh, my God. Uh, he looked terrifying in part two. I agree with you. I wish they would have actually kept the dark and ominous to it because it actually gave you that person lurking in the woods kind of feeling. Yeah. But, you know, I really like the part where the where he turned the fish tank into like a boiling water. I liked what he did with the swimming pool where the swimming pool turns into like a hot jacuzzi kind of thing. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Well, you know what? But, it goes back to Freddie heating things up. Because like you said, it was the house, it was the swimming pool. And I never thought of that until just now. It was the swimming pool, and it, and it was the fish tank. So Freddie is definitely he he definitely has some type of temperature power in this one, where he can um kind of like uh, boil water or make the uh, uh, air around you hot. So uh, that was an interesting uh, take. It was most definitely had like a little paranormal type of feel to yeah. it. Like with ghost hunters, if you actually think about it, where he can act, he's actually inside the house, his presence is inside the house, even though it may be a string like sequence, but his presence is still there, right? Because, uh, I don't think he killed anybody in a dream. The thing about it, uh, Coach Schneider wasn't killed in a dream, uh, Grady wasn't killed in a dream, and those kids, uh, definitely weren't in a dream. So, like, no, that's more of a, like a ghost episode deal exactly and to me the like I said the pool party scene was definitely horrifying especially whenever he's burning the kids and everything else Mm -hmm. and then finally he walks off and then that's when uh, he goes over to Grady's house Mm -hmm. and I never understood why Grady was home because he looked like a partier type of guy (laughs) Yeah, he's home sleeping. Right? <laughs> it's like it's like I don't have time for this underage drinking party. I'm just gonna sit lay here and go to bed. And then here comes Jesse knocking on his window. Yeah, so the the funny thing about that too is like Jesse's like on top of him and he's like Grady. <laughs> and then again, look at him now, like, yeah, yeah that may have been Jesse. <laughs> I don't know. But uh Jesse definitely wanted to stay the night at Grady's house, and uh, that's where things got strange for Grady. Yeah, he winds up admitting that he ended up killing Schneider, 
He also instructs Grady to watch him as he sleeps and to stop him if he tries to leave. When Grady eventually falls asleep, Freddy emerges from Jesse's body. And that sequence was horrifying. I'm going to be honest with you. That scene still creeps me out today. Yeah, it was good. From Freddy coming out of the arm to Jesse opening his mouth and you see Freddy's freaking eye and uh, and then it climaxed with like uh, Jesse's body. You can see like tendons a little bit and veins and shit and Freddy kind of like comes out of the body. Well done. Well done. And then of course it's like he's having a hard time coming out of his body so he does like a little small incision in the chest and next thing you know you see Freddy's face come out of out of Jesse's body, and then that's when he goes over to Grady, and of course he winds up killing Grady. Yeah, now I didn't like Grady's death, but uh, I thought you know it could have been. I guess they wasted all their budget on uh, uh, on the effects of Freddy coming out because Grady's death was claws through a door. You didn't really see Grady die; you just saw Freddy's claws go through the door, and and that was that. But as far as the effects of again of, of, of Freddie coming out of his body was crazy, and uh, again, I, I don't know if it's something the whole something is in my body, something wants something wants to take me over, um, is leading towards something's not right with it with Jesse. Definitely not. And then of course. Uh, return to Lis- uh, Lisa's house. Jesse tells her uh, tells her what's going on. Hey, Darnell. Hey. <laughs> All right. So we are actually getting into pretty much the climax of the film now. We're actually getting into the part where Jesse returns to Lisa. Jesse tells her what is going on, and he tells her, "Hey, look, I'm not strong. I can't." go on ahead and fend Freddy off or anything like that. He's much stronger than I am. But she tells him, look, you need to do what Nancy did she, and to fight him off because you're giving him the power. And he said he, he can't do it. He's not strong enough. And then, of course, that's when he starts transforming back into Freddy again. Yeah, and I, I do like the fact that they pretty much throughout the whole Nightmare on Street series is pretty well known that Freddy feeds off of fear. Exactly. And that's what I liked about it was the fact, too, that you can actually see more of him feeding off the fear this time than ever before. Yeah. Like, he's going in full circle with it, which is something that I really loved about this film, is the fact that you can actually tell that he's feeding off the fear of it, and he's enjoying every single moment of it. Yeah, yeah. And... I really like that. And then, of course, he locks her parents in, into their bedrooms, and he attacks Lisa, and that's whenever he winds up, like I said, he winds up uh, actually running towards the door, and he breaks the window out of the door because he crushes through it, and he disappears. And nobody knows where he's at or anything like that, and that's whenever he attacks the uh, party goers. So I actually got that kind of mixed up. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? That's fine. But um, I'm, one thing I wanted to mention with that too is you're not going to see Freddy like that in any other Nightmare on Street film. You're not going to see him. I mean, there have been times he's been he's been brought into the real world, but you're not going to see him terrorizing teenagers like that. He's never done it in any other films, so uh, it's kind of neat to see him 
in that mood where he's like just slashing people, uh, they burning them and torturing them, and uh, and I just thought, again, uh, it's not the Freddy we're used to because uh, you're not, you know, Freddy kills you in the dream sequence. That's ninety nine percent of the time what happens. Nightmare on Elm Street two, you know, took some liberties with uh, the mythology, uh, which was still being built. So I, I get it. I get why they probably did it, and and I get why they maybe a different writer, you know, had a different take on uh, Freddy. But um, Nightmare on Elm Street two really took it uh, somewhere else. You got Freddy like hopping out of the ground, and uh, uh, you know he's slashing people. Exactly. Like I said, I want to say he was probably more pissed off at Nancy for what she did to him. So now he's like, I don't care anymore. I'm going after these. Yeah, because he just was. And I'm going to do things yeah, my way. He was just going in. Like I said, like you said slashing them and burning them, and uh, and the famous line, uh, "You are all my children now." And, and he's looking at the kids, and and the kids are just like, "What the hell is going on at this party?" Um, right. And then, of course, the creepy thing is he actually has his arms out, stretched out, and saying this to them. Like, your souls are belonging yeah. to me. Yeah. So, I actually Yeah, I can't, I can't say enough how menacing Freddy was. If there, if there was a word to describe him in this, more than anything, I would say menacing. Menacing and mysterious. You don't see too much of his face, and he's definitely scary. Most definitely. And then, of course, the father comes out with a shotgun, getting ready to shoot him. And then Lisa winds up stopping her father. And then that's when Freddie just walks off into a burning bush. Yeah, again, I didn't get it. I didn't air. get it. Is he a ghost? Is he, is he Jesse? Again, I know, like I said, writers took some liberties. But like you said, he just walked through a, a bush. Freddie just walked through a bush and, and vanished. Which I thought was actually pretty comical in in a sense. I didn't find that part kind of creepy yeah. at all. I'm like, I'm like, okay, so it's like a WWF appearance, okay? Yeah, like, so... <laughs> right. Uh, so after that winds up happening, she, Lisa goes over to the boiler room again over at the school, which I find fascinating because I'm like, okay, so you kind of think that this entity might actually be where he actually started from. So you're going to go on ahead and go there. And then you see these creepy looking dogs. And that's also something else that's unusual. Yeah. So too, because like you said, these people are awake. It's not like they're sleeping. Or right. Anything. Again, I didn't get it. This is where they're losing me a little bit. I didn't get it. It was like these dogs with, uh, it looked like a cabbage patch face or something on these dogs. Uh, <laughs> Like they, they were creepy, but <laughs> I didn't. Same here as well. I'm like, okay, I don't see any sense of danger with this, <laughs> with the dogs at all. Like, I'm like, I know what you're trying to go for, but it just you know, doesn't land in a 2020 yes. type of environment yeah. with that. When we said that, it actually the effects actually stand out. This one, I actually have to say, this one doesn't stand out like I, yeah, I thought like it some would. Bullshit. Right. <laughs> but, you know, she drives to the factory, facing sudden nightmares and having to control her fear before confronting Freddy. She pleads with Jesse to fight Freddy, but Freddy is holding it. 
hold is too strong. When Lisa confesses her love for Jesse and kisses Freddie, which I found kind of unusual because Robert England is also older than she is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I'm like, awkward. Yeah, very very <laughs> awkward. Like, who the hell would kiss Freddie? But I guess Lisa was a wild one. Right. Right. Well, she had two guys that she was, well, she wasn't after Freddie, but think of it like this. She was, she actually had two guys on the brain. She had Freddie that she needed to get rid of to get to Jesse. So, but, you know, I like the battle between uh, Jesse on the inside battling him. I do like that. Yeah, I liked it too. And uh, again, if it's a metaphor for, uh, Jesse battling with his sexuality or whatever it was, uh, is well done. It's well done. Um, I, and again, I don't know if, if the case if the case was he's battling for sexuality, did uh, being straight win? I don't know uh, because he ends up with Lisa of it all, like you said. She kisses Freddie. Freddie melts. Right. Looks gross. I thought that looked good. I thought Freddie melted looked good. What did you think? I thought it looked really good. I loved how the boilers just come out uh, all of a mm-hmm. sudden because at first you don't know if Freddie actually beat Jesse or if Jesse beat Freddie. So at that moment in time, you're like, okay, who won here? What's the battle? Who won yeah. that battle? So, you know, I actually loved that. I loved the deterioration of Freddie whenever he was melting. I thought they did a very good job with the practical effect. I liked... Uh, even when Jesse is revealed that he was underneath all that, he was he's okay. Yeah, he was okay. And so uh, I actually like that. Like I said, uh, I guess being straight beat out being gay because he ends up with the girl after all, huh? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it goes, love wins. <laughs> so he won. <laughs> but but okay, I know that the ending in the first film didn't yeah. work for you. So how did you like the ending for the second film? So I I think it's a new line cinema thing. I think it's maybe the producer who uh who wants to keep the movies going, so he wants to leave you again with the final scare. Um one of the reasons it didn't work for me and um what happened was they were in the bus, it was going too fast. Well, it worked, but it didn't work. I like that they they were going back. It was like a throwback to the beginning where this bus is going to hell or wherever the bus was going to. I hated Freddie's hand coming out of uh, uh, Lisa's friend for two reasons. First, it looked a little weird. It looked like almost a, a jump, like, uh, the, like the way it was shot. It looked like cut, jump. You know what I mean? It just, I, it didn't feel natural. It didn't flow. Right. And then also, I I thought Freddie was in Jesse's body, so I didn't understand that part either. But again, I know they like to leave you with one right. last care. Right, but I'm also wondering this though too, because I didn't feel like that actually worked for me back when I was younger. Mm-hmm. It did, but looking back on it now, it just doesn't work. But to me, I think what they should have done was don't even use the glove coming out of her friend's her friend at all. All they had to do was go off the grid into the desert again, and then it cuts would have been black. so much better, John. It would have been so much better if it would have been like that. 
but you get this cheapy, this cheap uh, ass jump scare. It, it it didn't flow smooth. Again, I, I had questions. I'm like, wait a minute, is Freddie in her body now? What was he doing? His arm doing coming out of her body anyway? So, I mean, whatever. We never got our answers because we already have the. Because the way I see it is, we already have that feeling that Freddie is still alive. Because number one, the bus is moving too fast, but then it slows down again when we pick somebody up. But it could also go on ahead and move fast again, and then go into the desert and then cut. Would have been perfect. It would have been a perfect ending. You would accomplish what you need to accomplish. You'd have set up the next movie. Um, you'd have been good. But uh, I did not like the glove going through her stomach or coming out of her stomach. Uh, from an effect standpoint, I thought it sucked. And then from a logic standpoint, I thought it sucked as well. Because she, yeah, same she, as well. She really was not. She wasn't even. Uh, she was like a side character. She might have been in the movie ten minutes total, and I don't even remember her name, or if they ever even said her name. Uh, so <laughs> it just didn't work for me. Same hair as well. I don't even know the girl's name. All I'm no. All I'm going. All I'm going to call her is like the background yeah. character. So, uh, so it let me. <laughs> so, you know, it let me down on a on a sad note a bit, but. All in all, um, it's definitely not the worst Nightmare on Elm Street film. Far from the worst Nightmare on Elm Street film. Definitely not. Like I said at the beginning, to me it feels almost like an Elseworlds story. Or I know Freddy had a series for a while. Uh, it could even fit in that. But it doesn't feel like it goes with the whole mythos of one, which was Nancy. Three, which was Nancy and Kristen. Four was Kristen and uh, Alice. Allison, I think, or whatever it was. And then five, again, you got more of, of her. So they kind of all connected. This one didn't really connect to the other ones. It kind of just is there. Uh, what did you think? I agree with you on that, on the mm-hmm. whole mythology of it. The only thing that actually connects is the diary, yeah. and that's it. Other than that, it's its own, like, anthology yeah. part in it. So... That's what I got from it. It's like an anthology movie that they were trying to do with yeah. Halloween. It's 30. definitely the Halloween three of a uh, of a Nightmare on Elm Street. It definitely is. Uh, again, shout out to uh, his his name isn't his name is I know his name Mark Patton. Mark Patton, uh, Je- that played Jesse. Um, I I know uh, it may being an open gay actor in the eighties uh, definitely hindered his career, but you know at least he's doing conventions. Well, now he's not because of COVID, but you know, at least he's still making his money, and he's right. he's come to terms with it, which is pretty cool. Right, because it gives everybody else a chance to have the courage to actually step out, and now he has actually people that look up to him. Probably, I, I, gu- I guarantee so, you. Like you yeah. said, this movie has a great cult following. Uh, people call it the gayest horror movie ever made. There, you know, like I said, there's a lot of gay innuendo, uh, even stuff that we didn't touch on. Um, that if you watch it, you'll pick up one of your blow. Okay, okay, I get it. So, I mean, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I thought it wasn't the worst of Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but it just didn't fit in with no. uh, with the canon. Uh, but as far as the worst, like you said, it's either five or six for me, but. 
Right. I enjoyed. Now, I'll tell you what scene I liked with Five. And that was the Everybody loves the comic book scene. With Five. And, and I like Dan's death in Five. Dan's death was pretty sick. But the comic book scene, everybody loves. Right. But uh, you know what? And, right. and not to get into you Five, know what, though, man? We, we, never know. we may review it. But I just didn't find any of the kids likable in Five. So. Mm. Yeah. I can agree. But you know what, though? I would like to actually probably do a whole Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series. Okay, well, we could do three next if you you want to. And uh, we could keep going. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Because I'm enjoying this and everything. And I also own the box set. So this is something that gives me an excuse to actually watch these movies again out of my box set. And I also have the 3D glasses for the sixth <laughs> film. Well, it's going to be a chore for me so, to get through that sixth film. But look, for uh, for the uh, for the fans of this show, I'll do whatever it takes. All right. <laughs> all right, man. I do appreciate you wanting to do the whole entire series because I'm having a blast just doing this and know that you're actually a nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, fan I, I'm too. a huge Freddy Krueger fan. Uh, whether it's the campy stuff, whether it's the scary stuff, I don't know if you just heard my Netflix just jumped on. But whether it's the campy stuff or the scary stuff, uh, I just like Freddy. So this is this is easy for me. Same here as well. So where can everybody reach you at? All right, uh, the main place you. is my Instagram. I have a comic book, Advanced Genetics. Uh, the Instagram is. At advanced a d v a n c e d underscore genetics g e n e t i c s excuse me underscore underscore uh, that's the main way to uh, reach me. That's my Instagram page. Uh, I'm working on getting some other stuff going. I'm working on getting you some books. Uh, it's a pretty cool comic book. If you want to know more about it, check it out. Send me a DM. Uh, we just had a successful Kickstarter. I'm working on more books, and uh, back to you. All right. So before I do my plugs, I just want to say this. My friend Jessica just started up her Twitch account. And if you don't know Jessica, she was actually on my show a couple of months back with me, and she needs a couple of followers, guys. So if you're into Twitch, go on ahead and go to Earthbound uh, m one S F as in Frank, one T as in Tom, and follow her boyfriend on that one. And then she also has a Decord as well. And her and her boyfriend actually stream on the same channel that I just mentioned. But they all she also has a Discord called uh, Chaotic C X C U P C K E apostrophe S, which is Chaotic Cupcakes. <laughs> So Jessica's always been the type of artistic person where she can just do about anything and everything. So she's very talented. (laughs) So, yeah. And God knows what she's going to do with that stream. But you guys need to go in and check that out. She streams with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend does a lot of stuff, too, with gaming. Check him out, like I said. And also, too, guys, if you guys want to go on ahead and donate towards the show, my show, and you guys don't have to, but it's called buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers. You can donate towards the show. I actually want to do some digital movie giveaways for you guys whenever the, whenever I get a chance. 
So that's my way of giving back to you guys. Also, too, you guys can go on ahead and get all your entertainment news from www.movieloversunite.com. You can also go on Pinterest at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. You can also go to Facebook at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. And, of course, you can follow me at Movie Lovers Unit on Twitter and John DeGregorio8 on Twitter as well. You can follow me there. For actually coming soon, guys, I'm going to be on SiriusXM because SiriusXM actually bought out Stitcher. So you're going to be able to follow me there. And, you know, it's just going to be fun. And, of course, you guys can also follow uh, going ahead and tune into this show on all podcasting platforms. But, Thank man, it's you. been I great having it. you. Always a pleasure. Anytime, man. Anytime. It is a pleasure, man. I, I have to say, I do have a lot of fun whenever you're on here. And we're just uh, shooting the shit about Nightmare on Elm Street. It's been fun. So, I hope you have a good weekend. Enjoy your time with your kids. And, of course, everyone, always until next time. Bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.